Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online. Gary Hoffman. Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Bachelorette party. <laughs> of course it does. Is that why? 2011? At, at, at One Oak. And uh, we climbed up on something to dance. You do, you guys and do foofy things. For I fell down. Parties. I was wearing some high heels and I ate it. It <laughs> seems to be a common theme sometimes, you know. What do you mean? There's a hallway in a hotel in Chicago with your chin skin on it. Easy. That was from a lift. That's what I was doing a dirty dancing lift. Okay, so you fell even farther. You fell from so above someone's head instead of just off of the different activities, Gary. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Silly me for putting the two of them together. <laughs> oh boy. So what's going on in Seattle seems to be more about Seattle and less about Black Lives Matter. And I said it yesterday. It's only a matter of time until the this protest gets some heat for hijacking the message of the Black Lives Matter protests. And that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Uh, members of the African-American Community Advisory Council yesterday afternoon showed up to this six block no cop co-op in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood where they have bordered off the streets, there there's flautists. Is that what you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a flautist there. I saw uh, sidewalk chalk murals. I saw massages were being done. They like Washington D.C. painted an entire street with the words "Black Lives Matter" that you can see from from very high up. From but they're space, space they're such a sideshow. They're such they're creating such a uh, spectacle with their hippie occupy movement that it's taking away all of the Black Lives Matter messaging. Yeah, the there was an interesting thing. There was a video that I told you I was watching. It's um, when a politician shows up into this Chaz into the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And his name is Tim Iman. And if you know uh, Washington politics at all, Washington State, this guy started probably 15 years ago doing a very simple, I want to repeal car tab taxes. I mean, that was an issue up there as well. And it was a, it was a, uh, what do they call it? A amendment to the a measure, whatever term they use up there. Initiative, that's what it was. And the initiative 
had too many words in it. Like it, it, I mean, he blew this thing out of the water. It passed by 75% or something like that. And then it was challenged in court by the state because it had two different things and you're only supposed to have one subject per initiative per the Washington state constitution. Anyway, it started this guy down this road of politics and he every year came up with another tax cutting money saving style initiative that he was then they started saying, well, he's using some of his campaign money for uh, buying fancy watches. And anyway, not not a, not the cleanest record for this guy, but he's been one of those gadflies that's been around Washington state politics for a long time. And I guess he's running for governor against Jay Inslee. Well, he shows up to this autonomous zone within the last couple of days, and he's literally just standing there. I mean, he's not speaking. People recognize him and they go to him and they start barking at him. In one case, there's one instance of this thing where there's like three different people with three different bullhorns yelling three different things either at him or about him. One of them was, get the F out of here. One guy said, go back to America. And it's over there. And he points on the other side of those plastic (laughs) barriers. And and one was like, wait, 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 we should at least listen to what he has to say. We should at least have this dialogue with him. That guy got shouted down pretty quickly. Nobody has any idea what's going on. Listen, I love the idea of a free thinking society where someone can carve out a little nook of their world and say, you don't have power over me. Do you know what most people do? They buy them. They buy a house. They take out a mortgage. And that's their little domicile. They don't carve out six blocks of an already existing city and say, this is mine, and then cross their hands and pout. They don't go to the door in their underwear on the on Pike Street. It's my house! They, I can wear my underpants if I want exactly. to. Exactly. That's what you do. But there are people out there in their underwear in front of your daughter and her boyfriend. Yeah. And it's... In public, and that's not the way that it should go down. And it's all—it's it's become a catch-all, right? So there's—it's the homeless, it's the hippies, it's just uh, it's prote- people protesting various different things. It's only a matter of time till there's some sort of sexual assaults or or something or some bad crime that goes on. Listen, I love that they're optimistic about the human condition. They're yeah, optimistic but, about how everyone's going to chip in, everyone's going to be nice, there will be too, no crime. Way, way, way too much optimism going on from the Seattle's no cop co-op all the way up to the cities of New York and San Francisco and L.A. that are doing sweeping packages of police accountability measures they there are is way too much optimism that we are a better people than we are um there are a couple of great write-ups i've seen from law enforcement officers or people who are adjacent to the law enforcement world that have said we are all for reform you want to take some of this stuff off our plate be my guest. Yes. I cannot be everything to all people as a police officer i cannot be your counselor, your rescuer, your guardian, right. uh, your tax collector, your whatever. I can't do all of those things. Your psychiatrist. Yeah. Those things are not in the job description and, and should not be. They have become much part of the job. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate part is that now law enforcement is in the position of saying, OK, bring it on. You guys want to defund your police department, then take some of these jobs off of my plate as well. Now, 
here's the the um, the characterization, I guess, that I came up with when we look at what's going on on this Capitol Hill autonomous zone. Everyone's really high. Oh, so high. And I, listen, Washington State, just like California, has recreational marijuana. Well, nobody has anything to do. Everything is still shut down. Nobody has jobs. Right. So they have time to go do a chalk mural uh, on the street after ingesting 19 gummies. And and they're getting together and watching movies every night, like documentaries, like uh, 13th by, yeah. by Eva DuVernay. The Listen, it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful look at the 13th Amendment. But this is an unsustainable thing, even if even if everyone in Chaz has a good heart, you're going to have to start paying for something at some time. Dave Ross was talking about this today. Dave Ross. And uh, he's so small, but such a deep voice. He's so small. I don't think I've ever seen him. Yes, you have. Really? No, I don't think I've ever we seen him. We saw Dave him Ross. at the convention. Oh, you're right. Yes. Okay. Uh, he was talking about how the the reports of armed guards are greatly exaggerated. People have not seen armed guards there, but I've, I've seen them. Uh, one videographer said that uh, I'll be honest with you: you're more likely to be stopped by somebody who wants to get you to sign a petition to tax Amazon. He also said there are free sandwiches. But uh, one resident said they've got free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Is it strawberry? Because I'm a picky free eater. <laughs> and yes, massage therapists giving massages. Are there showers involved? Uh, Is everyone just living in their tents out there? Yes. The- well, a lot of them have taken over that park. Right. That, that's oh, the right park there. is completely taken over. And they've thrown down topsoil and started growing a community no. garden. Is this, are you serious? 100% true. Now, listen, here's the other aspect well, of that. Well, you've got to live off the land. You do have to live off the land. There's only so much peanut butter and jelly that you can have for free. Okay, but imagine, if you will, uh, the first settlers in Seattle, if they were to come in, they would have been packing a couple of months worth of some sort of dried food, probably a jerky. That comes from animals. And then when they plant their seeds on Capitol Hill, they're going to realize it's going to take two months, four months before you start getting fruit. It seems like they're in it for the long haul. And the amount of stuff that they're growing in that park, in this topsoil that they've purchased, probably from Home Depot and thrown onto the grass, it's good. It's enough for about a a big bowl of salad, and it's not going to be until about four months from now. So whatever sort of weird idea of sustainability they think they have uh, it's it's doesn't exist it's it's not reality you know and this is so quintessential seattle because this is a uh, a city that has had succession movements before like ballard make ballard <laughs> what was it like make ballard free or something like that or yeah. free ballard like it was free ballard Tibet, i think that's what it was you know and, <laughs> and uh this has long been a place where people want to separate themselves as crazier than the crazies. Yeah, and it's a weird thing because you talk about the different political ideologies. Libertarianism is big in Seattle if they knew what libertarianism was. I mean, the idea that you want to be out from under the big menace of Seattle government. The what of what? The, listen, Jenny Durkin, the mayor, uh, has said that this autonomous zone in her city streets is 
patriotic. The president is upset with that, right? The president has said uh, in a tweet just a couple of hours ago, Seattle mayor says about the anarchists takeover of her city, quote, it is a summer of love. These liberal Dems don't have a clue. The terrorists burn and pillage our cities, and they think it's just wonderful. Even the death must end this Seattle takeover now. Um, What Jenny Durkin said was, unfortunately, our president wants to tell a story about domestic terrorists who have a racial, uh, sorry, radical agenda and are promoting a conspiracy that fits his law and order initiatives. It's simply not true. Lawfully gathering and expressing First Amendment rights, demanding we do better as a society, providing true equity for communities of color is not terrorism. It's patriotism. Now, again, she's referring to lawful gathering as blocking streets in a major metropolitan area of this country. That's not lawful. Uh, Simply by definition, it's not lawful. Um. She said that officials are in communication with residents, business owners, and protesters in this zone, adding it's not an armed Antifa militia. It's not a no-go zone. Listen, it may not be a no-go. It may not be. Yeah, it may not be a no-go zone, but they will not allow police cars in that area that they've blocked off. Police officials attempted to enter the East Precinct yesterday, but the protesters went nuts. Some oh. protesters attempted to escort the officers to the precinct, and that pissed off the other demonstrators. Since police have left the area, officers say their response time to incidents in the city have tripled because they're unable to access the area for calls for help. And, and like you said, all of that, all of the different messages, the different um uh, ideologies of the people who are involved in this free world now in, in Capitol Hill and Seattle. They're confusing each other. They're cannibalizing their own message. Yeah. And even if you do have one entire city block, the street now reads Black Lives Matter. They're literally walking over that message. Here's I- the thing, hippies. It's not about you. It's not about you. Stop making it about you. Talk about white privilege. I have the I have the ability to just get high all day and have a campfire and play my flute in the street and then do my chalk art. How, what a yeah. luxury that and, is for you. And hope that the business owners that we've completely overwhelmed by blocking off the street and the access to their customers, we hope that they have enough goodwill to keep me fed for the next couple of weeks. Right. I, I just it, – it just doesn't make any sense. I mean the, the mentality of it just doesn't make any sense. It's classic Seattle. Totally. Well um, – we asked Nick if he could find somebody that may have been involved in this, and he actually called, instead of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, he called the Auto Zone. He called one of the stores, the the car parts store that's in nearby Capitol Hill, but, so we had to find somebody else. And I had a lead on a guy who um, we met when the Occupy Wall Street movement happened in 2011, which is why yeah. we have our flashback years. 2011, this year is Occupy Wall Street. God, that was 2011 that I was out there at City Hall looking at gallons of, of urine. Good times. Hmm. I miss the field. Well, uh, there was a guy who was living in the park there in front of City Hall for a long time and actually outlasted all of the other protesters because they came through and did a pretty good sweep of that place and cleaned out the buckets of human waste. 
It's um, Jared, right? It is Jared. And Jared's a guy uh, who li- literally lived in one of those trees for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is that he's on the phone with us. Oh, great. That's excellent. I hope his signal is good. Hello? Jared, hey. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for making time for us this morning. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry I could barely hear you over the uh, sound of my own bong rips um, and stuff. But, hey, um, I just wanted to talk about, like, uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, see what's going on with you. Uh, Yeah, paint a picture for us of what you see out there. Oh, man, I just see love, for one thing. I mean... It's all about, like, you know, our socioeconomic machinations of, like, the Judeo-Christian military-industrial complex and how it's just making people into slaves. But we don't like to say that word, so oh, we'll just say, like, indentured servants. And it sucks, man. It sucks. Is this more about Black Lives Matter or more about corporate America and uh, the man? Oh, we've totally forgotten about, like, Black Lives Matter here because, I mean— it's more like free sandwiches matter, and free sandwiches are awesome. I don't know if um, if you've tried, like, one of those meat substitute sandwiches with, like, fake mustard or nothing, but, oh, my gosh, it's so good. So um, what are some of the activities you guys are uh, keeping yourselves busy with? Well, it's, um, thank you for asking. That's a great question. Um, first... I, tonight, um, before our next documentary that we're going to watch on the street in, uh, from someone's uh, stolen iPad, we're, we're going um, to do a puppet show all about uh, the end of the Civil War. And um, I don't know if you knew this, but I got my master's degree in medieval puppetry from uh, William and Mary College. And I'm going to be leading the charge. I'll be I'll be playing um, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but that's but that's just like tonight. I mean, because we also have a um, we have what we call a bud tasting. <laughs> what? And we're gonna we're gonna try out like different strains of of sativa. Just to see, like, what, um, which thing will open our minds more to to reach that level of just openness, like, like um, openness. Um, what's the bathing situation? When's the last time you had a shower, Jared? Listen, I think showers um, were actually started like a hundred years ago as a way for big corporations like Procter and Gamble and Johnson and Johnson and Unilever to sell their product. And it's so weird that like people are such sheep when it comes to showers and bathing, like it's totally not necessary. Your body, your body, once you reach the total equilibrium physically, it will take care of itself. And you just, you know, some people say, well, you just stop smelling yourself. Like you, you're burned out your nose from smelling so bad for so long, but really it's just like equilibrium. It's like being open to the openness. Uh, the bathroom situation, where are you uh, relieving yourself? Oh, you know, it's funny. I still have my jug from uh, from Occupy Wall Street. And uh, on, a, on a good day, I will produce a good four liters of urine. But it depends on what kind of intake I have. So 
So lately we've been harvesting rainwater, but it hasn't rained for two weeks in Seattle. So it's been dry. It's been pretty dry, but but I still have my jug. (laughs) Can you hear the people in the background? They're chanting. They're telling people to go home. They're telling people to go back to America, which is like two blocks away. What do you do for, uh, for, for work, Jared? Didn't you hear me? I told you I have a master's degree in medieval puppetry from William and Mary College. Yeah, but how do you turn that into money? You know, for... Okay, well, I think what you're doing is you're getting caught up in this idea that we all have to have, like, um, jobs and stuff. Because sometimes we just live off of each other's, like, love and stuff. So there was one time... Um, well, I lived in uh, I lived in the Snake River in Idaho for a while, and uh, there was a group of us. Uh, we called each other the Claude Brothers. We used to pay uh, for stuff and goods and services just in boogers. It's just because it's what it's what your body produces. It's totally natural, and we just figured why. Why succumb to and give in to, like, big banks around the world and use their money? Why not use the money that your own body produces? Hello? I don't... Jared, I I really enjoyed this, and I hope that we can reach out to you maybe next week and check in with you. Oh man, that would be awesome. Um if you if you need to get a hold of me, I'm in the third tree from the left just off of um Olive Street, I think it is. I mean, I don't go by what old names like that. I mean, those names for these streets were like 100 years old and lots has changed between then and today. All right, Jared, thank, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you and to peace be with you also. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Top of next hour, we're going to tell you about the end of that 36-hour hunt for a guy who shot up the police station in Paso Robles. He ended up shooting a sheriff's deputy in the head, put him in serious condition, guarded condition, killing a 58-year-old homeless man in Paso Robles. And then apparently was making his way up and down the Salinas Riverbed. Uh, There's a bunch of homeless encampments there, but they ended with a shootout yesterday afternoon. They did kill 26-year-old Mason Lira. Apparently he shot another couple of law enforcement officers in the uh, final confrontation, but he has been killed. Apparently his dad said he had suffered from some mental issues for quite a time. Everybody loves Jared, by the way. That's Jared. Um, John John, I'm showing you the video that I did. One of those handle of events. Did you even see the video? No. I'll have to show it to you because it's... <laughs> Speaking of Jared, there are anti-bathing cult members that have been arrested in Hawaii for violating the quarantine. We'll tell you their story coming up before the end of the hour. But uh, every morning we come into work and Nick wonders, where is Jennifer Doulos? 
Yeah, I don't know his every day. This. This is, it, it, it's a little on obsession. You know, we all it? kind of latch on to different stories. Um, Although this is a pretty amazing story. It um, is crazy. So the quick timeline, Jennifer uh, Dulos back in 2017, June of 2017, filed for divorce, said she's afraid of her husband. Um, she vanishes about, uh, well, just a little more than a year ago. It was the end of May of 2019. She vanishes after she dropped off her five kids at school. Uh, a month later, Jennifer's husband, ex-husband, Fotis Dulos, and his girlfriend are arrested for evidence tampering. In August, the girlfriend turns on Fotis in the police interviews, admits she lied when she said that she had an alibi for him. In September, he's arrested again for evidence tampering. In January of this year, they're both, the the ex and the the girlfriend, are charged with murder. And then about end of January, he's found unresponsive at uh, at his home in a suicide attempt and eventually died about a day and a half later. Well, apparently, uh, as they continue to look for her body, they do believe that she met a uh, violent ending at the hands of Fotis Doulis. They have come across a mansion that uh, is a $3 million home, and it looks like Fotis was going to do some work on this mansion at some time. So they've gone in and are searching this thing. The uh, I guess the interesting slash disgusting slash sad part about it is that they have brought in septic tank removal teams to drain this 16-foot-deep uh, property, 16-foot-deep uh, tank property on the, um, sorry, 16-foot-deep tank on the property. Fotis Doulis's construction group had a contract to demolish this place after it was damaged in a flood. No one's lived in it since late 2017. He did live in it for a time, but it was 10 years ago. It was a very right. short time before the, another guy bought it. Um so they haven't said if the demolition was supposed to begin or why it didn't begin before Jennifer Dulos vanished. But Fotif, uh like we said, killed himself before her murder in right, June on trial for her murder of uh, last year. Police searched the property, but they never got a search warrant to do it. And they gained entry by getting permission from the owner. And at that time, they did not bring cadaver dogs or forensic teams or uh, search that septic tank. Which like is, they did with his other properties. Which is weird. I mean, if you had any any inkling that this woman was dead and potentially taken apart, I mean, remember, he was uh, accused of, along with the girlfriend, dropping multiple garbage bags uh, full of stuff that included some of her clothing and bloody items uh, throughout different areas around town. Now, the two of them got married back in 2004. It was his second marriage, Fotis and Jennifer. Um, that same year, her dad was loaning him money for his property business, which I didn't know about before. And then shortly after, he starts the affair with the girlfriend, Michelle, and then uh, the the dad dies, and it seems like that's when the money problems began, and when he started going after Jennifer with threats, violent threats, and she even put in divorce papers that she was terrified that he was going to kill her. Unfortunately, people put that in their court documents all the time to make it look more severe than it really is. Well, it was that bad for Jennifer Dulos. 
Um, I have always wondered this. I know that he has said that he had nothing to do with her death, right? Yeah, he wrote wrote that weird note, too. Yeah. Suicide note. Um, Do people who are not involved in a murder commit suicide? Just That's what I was wondering. Like, if your suicide note is you talking about how you didn't kill your ex-wife, why are you killing yourself? Yeah, the prospect of... Fighting for your life seems to me to be much more appealing than just killing yourself. I don't know. Maybe that's just, I don't know. Um, they talk about uh, one one neighbor recalled an incident in June of 2017. And this, again, would have been right about the time that she filed for divorce, said that she found Jennifer Dulos crying in their driveway. And she had told um, the neighbor, Jennifer had told the neighbor that Fotis Dulos had just tried to run her over and that she had to jump out of that way. In that same summer, that same neighbor said she watched Fotis chase Jennifer through the house. Jennifer barricaded herself in her bedroom while Fotis was pounding on the door. She said that he had calmed down when he realized that she and one of the children were also in the room. Did you Um, see the statement from the girlfriend? Michelle Traconis. The I shouldn't have trusted him. Yeah. She says, my name is Michelle Traconis. For the past year, people have said many things about me, some kind, some cruel. I was advised by my lawyers to remain quiet and rely on the justice system, which is very frustrating for me because there's a lot I wish to say. It's been nearly a year since I first heard about the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos. As a mother, I'm saddened for the loss that these five kids have suffered being left without both parents in such a short period of time. But despite the way I've been treated by police, I know nothing about Jennifer Dulos's whereabouts or what may have happened to her. I know that under American law, I don't have to prove my innocence, but actually to me, it feels that way during all this time of public scrutiny. To those who are quick to judge people that don't know me, let me say this, it's possible to misjudge others. Okay, hold on a second. This next line is the key to me. This woman claims that she knows nothing about Jennifer's disappearance. She knows nothing about what happened to her, where she is, where she could be. Here's the key. Whether or not Fotis was capable of doing the things the police and prosecutors accused him of doing, I do not know. Yes, you do. What? How do you not know if your boyfriend is capable of killing and chopping up his ex-wife? She had been sleeping with this guy for four years. You you spend 40 minutes with somebody, you know, if they're capable of murder. She says, based on what I have learned in the last year, I think it was a mistake to have trusted him. You don't get to play the moron card all the time. I didn't know. He seemed nice to me. He never killed me and chopped me up. Idiots. Um, uh. The idea of non-policing, you know, defunding the police. Next hour, we're going to talk a little bit about how San Francisco police have responded. You kind of alluded to this. They're saying San Francisco, they will not be responding to non-criminal calls anymore. So uh, that's perhaps the first thing. But when we come back, an anti-bathing cult. Remember how Jared was saying that, you know, your body reaches an equilibrium and you start you stop smelling anymore? Yes, I do remember that. <clears throat> well, the, we're we're uh, that was right before the uh, money your body makes. Uh, the what? Well, he talked about the the lack of a need for cash because your your body creates currency in uh, boogers and that he and his friends would uh, pay, pay each, for things, pay for things. And pay each in, other in boogies in uh, 
the body's natural currency. Dennis wrote to us at Gary and Shannon and said, how stoned was that guy? Dude. You know what? I didn't ask. I should have asked how much weed he has ingested today. I would assume quite a bit. All right. You know what? We might need to play that back. Bring him back? We might need to play that back at in the one o'clock hour. Okay. We'll see what happens. Gary and Shannon will continue. Because he'll be too stoned to, to yeah, talk no. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> it's only morning. <laughs> That's great. And I can play that, right? Yeah. I can play that. Can we play that, Nick? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, uh, guess who's out with a new book? Uh, I guess it'll be two weeks, maybe, week and a half. John Bolton. Remember this book that was ta- he was talking about uh, putting out there, and uh, the White House was going to try to prevent it from coming out. It's supposed to be coming out June 23rd. It's called The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. Uh, The White House has tried to delay this. Uh, The former national security advisor on the back cover of the book taunts President Trump. Basically says, I know you tried to stop this thing from ever being published. Uh, And he writes, game on. And I guess there's, according to uh, people who have read this thing, there's all kinds of what would be considered impeachable offenses that John Bolton goes after the president for. Uh, we got a voicemail from a second from Hattie, I think her name was. Hi, my name is Hattie, and this is the first time I ever called a radio station, but I just wanted to call to give Shannon props because the interview I just heard her do with the guy in Washington, I was rolling. Oh, my God, I was rolling. I had to pull over and park. And look up your number call. So please give her an award because she kept her composure. Because I would have been busted. <laughs> I would have been busted up at that dude. It was tough. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'm not crazy, but I, I enjoyed the entertainment. Um, the time is around 10:31 or so on a Friday morning. Thank you for being there for us. KFI. Oh, listen to that. Thank you, Hattie. So sweet. We'll, I, maybe we will play that back. Uh, Jacob, did you roll on that, by the way? You did, right? You always do. This is what he does. Well, well there is a anti-bathing cult that's in trouble in Hawaii. Hawaii is taking this very seriously when it comes to coronavirus. Yeah, I canceled a trip to Hawaii because so of how I. serious they're doing this. Yeah. You'd have to be quarantined for 14 days. now. They just quarant- extended that, too. Yeah, and quarantine in, in Hawaii, you know, you, you, it could get worse, but you're not even allowed to go to the beach Yeah, you anything. don't go to Hawaii to sit inside for two weeks. No. Anyway, there's this group. It's called Carbon Nation. Eligio Lee Bishop is the leader. He's 38 years old. He refers to himself as Christ or God on his social media accounts. Don't you have to if you're kind of the leader of a cult? I mean, you don't just go by. I don't think I'd go by Christ because that's, you know, sacrilegious. And you know that's how. That's what you're worried about. You know how much I, uh, I adhere to. The things of the faith. Yes. I would go by if like I was a leader of a cult. I mean, ma- master. That's, that's weird. Mastress. Mistress? That makes it weird. That's even weirder. Now it's like a sex cult. You're adding layers to this cult that I don't think you meant to. Uh, Police said that the cult members arrived on the Big Island, Hawaii, uh, June 7th and 8th, 
And the governor, like we said, had ordered any visitors to the state to self-quarantine for 14 days. Well, 20 of the people arrested this week are from out of state. And many of them are members of this cult. This cult has already been kicked out of places like Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Panama. Not only is it an anti-bathing cult, apparently it's a nudist and polygamist cult also. So they're into being naked, having sex with each other and not bathing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like Seattle. Eligio, Eligio, the leader, or Christ, or God, depending if you're in the cult or not. According to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation... They say Eligio was a model, a stripper, a prostitute, and a barber. Something for everybody. Before becoming a cult leader. Something for everyone. Hey, I've got a quick gas go around. Ooh, we we haven't done one of those in a long time. Jacob got that quick trigger on that gas go around. I miss Blake when it would take four and a half minutes. (laughs) Um. If you ran a cult, an anti-bathing, polygamist, nudist cult, what would you like to be referred to? Jacob. Like what what name would I, what title What would you go by? Uh, Lord Pigpen. Lord Pigpen. Strong. That's that's good. Nick. You just call me Boss. Boss. I like that. Uh, Amy King. You ran a cult that was into no showers, uh, sex, and nudity. What would you like to be referred to as? I think Pigpen was already taken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's what would come to mind. Well, Amy's going to be in Jacob's uh, cult then. We know that. Yeah, come on down. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> uh, I would say something more humble than that. I would say uh, you can call me Dusty. Dusty? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no bathing, right? Right. There'd be a layer of... Some sort of... Multi-meaning. Oh, I want to change mine. Okay. Flower. Oh. Oh, that's very culty. It's beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's, a, it's the summer of love, Shannon. Good point. I think I'd go by... Sparkles. That's kind of a... That's uh, your unicorn. That's a stripper. Yeah, that's kind of a stripper name. Well, the sex stuff. Oh, right, right, know, right, so right, right. That's in. Well, I think we've got ourselves a nice little cult here. Well, we've got a, a cult of cult leaders. We don't have a cult with. So, what happens hierarchy. to these people? Are they uh, are they I, just cited? Or well, in this case, they said that uh, of the twenty individuals arrested for quarantine violations, uh, everybody was compliant. Everybody was understanding. They did not give the police an, one ounce of resistance, and thanks uh, thanked us for doing things the way we did. I assume it's just a citation. You're going to put somebody in jail for, you know, breaking their quarantine in Hawaii? I mean, and even then, jail in Hawaii? How tough can that be? It sounds humid. I'm sure they have air conditioners there. All right, coming up next, crazy end to that story out of Paso Robles with the man opening fire on police. We'll tell you all about it and how it ended when we return to Gary and Shannon.
KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. There will be a vigil tonight to honor the two kids in Idaho whose remains were found this week. These are the two missing kids of the doomsday couple, 17-year-old Tylee Ryan and her brother, 7-year-old J.J. Vallow. The two haven't been seen since September. Their remains were found on their stepfather's property there in rural southeast Idaho. Uh, issues about zero bail. We know that the Judicial Council, that's the right word, said that we would do away with zero bail, but it doesn't look like here uh, in L.A. County we're going to do away with it right away. We'll talk about that later this hour. We have our small business shout-out coming up in the uh, 12 o'clock hour. Let's go to the phones. Hi there. I was trying to get a replay of the interview that Gary and Shannon did with that guy, Jared, up in Washington State. Um, my cell phone number, you, you can call me or text me. My name is Cammie. Yeah, you got this. Take this down. But I have got to play that for everybody that I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Well, I <laughs> we will we'll replay that. We'll replay it coming for up. For everyone I know. <laughs> the one o'clock hour. We haven't heard from that guy in a long time. Jared uh, used to be an Occupy Wall Street protester way mm-hmm. back in the day. And uh, he was stoned then, too. He's been high for 10 years. Still stoned. Yeah. Still. Good, good for him. Still stoned. Well, it looks like it was a man who had recently been released from jail that was the one who opened fire on police in Paso Robles. Started um, before dawn on Wednesday. It looks like he killed a 58-year-old homeless man near the railroad tracks, then opened fire on the police station there in Paso Robles and hit... County Sheriff's Deputy Nicholas Dreyfus in the face, 28 years old. He went uh, to surgery and is in guarded condition, they say. Um, As they begin their manhunt for him early Wednesday morning after that shooting, they find another dead body. They find a, a homeless guy that was shot in the head near a train station there in Paso Robles. Later Wednesday afternoon, apparently they had gotten a report of shots being fired and spotted a guy who matched this description of uh, of Mason Lira, but he ran away into a nearby apartment complex. Officers surround that apartment complex. Listen, this is not a big town. There's not a lot of apartment complexes in there. He manages to escape through a long, overgrown riverbed, the Salinas River that runs through Paso Robles. There's a bunch of different little homeless encampments, little uh, tents that have been set up in that area. So overnight, you've got the... Sheriff's deputies from San Luis Obispo County, the Paso Robles Police Department, uh, the FBI SWAT team had been brought in, and they believed that he was in the area of those homeless encampments along the riverbed. Well, he had hid in an apartment building at one time and fired at officers at a gas station at another time and then was able to escape into the riverbed there. So just about 2 o'clock yesterday, he comes out of hiding he fires at surrounding officers. Apparently, the dogs had been brought in and were able to get him out. And the Royal Grande police sergeant who was in there to help out took a bullet through the calf. Two hours later, he emerges again, crawls up an embankment and up a short, steep hill and began to run to a neighboring vineyard there. Yeah, he was shot. And during the shooting, uh, a CHP officer took a bullet in the chest, apparently, right into his uh, protective vest. A Kings County sheriff's deputy came over he got out of an armored vehicle to rescue him he was shot above the knee all of those officers the one in the calf the one in the knee and the one in the chest 
are all expected to recover. They found two stolen handguns and a bunch of ammo. They believe that he stole those handguns in a commercial burglary in San Luis the day before the police station attack. Now, we know that he uh, has had been released from a jail in Monterey on June 3rd. He was arrested on suspicion of making criminal threats and resisting arrest. They think he may have been in the Paso area for a week. He was seen at some local businesses. His father gave an interview to the Associated Press and thinks that the shooting at the police station was a suicide attempt, that his son was not targeting police, that he was mentally ill. He'd been diagnosed with schizophrenia, Asperger's, ADHD, in and out of jail treatment centers. He didn't take his meds. Yeah, his dad says that uh, Mason used to think that he was a special agent or a soldier. Jose, the father, says he lived in a fantasy world. He didn't have a beef with police. Nevertheless, they are searching for a specific motive right now there. I just, if, if it was suicide, why would he do it at three in the morning? I mean, if... Well, suicide doesn't... Uh, I guess it doesn't really depend on the time of day. No. But I mean, it just if he was... I don't know. It, if he wanted you, to have suicide by cop, he'd show up in the in the daylight? When there were a lot of people around or a lot of officers around. Um, again, the one deputy who was hit in the face is in serious condition and is in... Uh, or guarded condition is what they said. So... Um, it's amazing, first of all, to have been shot in the face and or head, depending on where they say he was shot, and to be able to make it this far. So. It shows you what little crime there is in Paso when you've got that much of a response from surrounding, surrounding ag- counties. agencies. Yeah. Yeah. You, the, Paso Robles is not that far away from the San Luis Obispo Monterey County line, so I'm assuming there were Monterey County Sheriff's deputies that were brought in, yeah. and the FBI SWAT team was brought into small-town Paso Robles. When's the last time the FBI went to Paso Robles? Um, my dad went to a doctor's appointment yesterday, said he's never seen more police, well, more sheriff's deputies, more CHP vehicles, more blacked-out uh, you know, undercover vehicles that were probably the SWAT team. When police are targeted like that, yeah. or they think they're being targeted, that's the response you get. And I'm remembering Chris Dorner. Oh, yeah. And the amount of law enforcement that showed up for that was incredible. Um, Okay, remember how we told you about Orange County, about the public health official who stepped down this week on Monday because she said that there was a requirement you wear a mask outside or when you go to businesses in Orange County, and people called her Hitler. They had a protest in front of her house. The woman got death threats. So she said, screw all y'all. I don't know if she said that, but she stepped down. So now the interim public health official in Orange County has a new mandate when it comes to masks. Did you see on Twitter, Florida in California was trending today because they're referring to Orange County as Florida in California. Yeah. (laughs) Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Did you see the story Nick found about Uncle Jimmy in New Jersey? No. 97-year-old James Missioni passes away this March 
and his relatives go into the home and they're going through his possessions, which is what happens when someone passes on. And they found one of the best baseball card collections ever, including a signed Babe Ruth card from 1933. He had a Lou Gehrig baseball card. So potentially millions of dollars worth? Millions. He had six signed by Babe Ruth. Whoa. Where's Jimmy Uncle Jimmy Fox? been this whole time? Jeez. It's incredible. What a find. My, um... Rookie Reggie, uh, rookie Reggie Jackson card. Those are famous. Jackie Robinson. Pete Rose from 1965. My, uh, my grandfather took notes in German in a copy of Mein Kampf. Is that worth anything? No. No, 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 no. Uh, they said that his uh, his memorabilia collection includes artifacts from some of the most fabled games and players in the history of the game. A rare Mickey Mantle plastic plaque from 1963. <laughs> he would write to players and teams, photographers. I remember when um, I was a kid and I had sports. I had a Sports Illustrated for kids subscription, and in the back they would list all the. Um, mailing uh, all the addresses for different teams and player and how to get in contact so you could write to them and then they would send you back a signed poster or something like that. Like that was a thing that happened before, you know. Before there were uh, autograph sessions. Right. Where you'd have to pay 50 bucks to get Pete Rose to sign your socks or something. Uh, At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about how San Francisco police are changing the way they're going to police. Now they say they're not going to respond to non-criminal calls, uh, which may be a step in the right direction. But we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. Orange County residents no longer have to wear masks in public. They're just being told that the county strongly recommends them to do so. Yeah, I'd like to introduce you to the new Orange County Healthcare Agency Director, Dr. Clayton Chow. Dr. Clayton apparently doesn't want death threats because when the last public health officer said that it was a mandate, she got those death threats and had to step down. Yeah, the, during one of the meetings of the Board of Supervisors in Orange County, Dr. Quick uh, was shown on a poster with a Hitler mustache on her face and swastikas in the background. And it was got to the point where the Orange County Sheriff's Department uh, decided that it was – there were death threats, perhaps. They classified them or at least thought they were serious enough that they gave Dr. Quick a um, a security detail. And after a few weeks of defending the mandatory face covering order, she finally just resigned. She The county agreed to give her a $75,000 check in exchange for her decision to, to leave voluntarily. So yesterday, Dr. Chow comes out and says, I want to be clear, this does not diminish the importance of face coverings. And I stand with public health experts and believe that wearing cloth face coverings helps to slow the spread of COVID-19 in our community. By being consistent with the state, he says, this will give our business community and individuals the ability to make the most appropriate decisions for them and for their situation. But that they were... Cl- Careful to point out, at least the Board of Supervisors was, in Michelle Steele, one of the supervisors, that this is only brought on because they want to make Orange County's mask rules consistent with the entire state's mask rules 
which again, not mandatory, but highly suggested. The the new number here, it looks like uh, they added 260 new infections yesterday. So the county's cumulative uh, case count is just under 8,000. Thursday, yesterday, saw the third most new cases on any one day in the county since this all began. The three largest single-day increases have all occurred within the past week. Uh, when we say those, when we say that, though, we have to remember that the increase in testing is also part of why we're going to see more cases now. They said that uh, they're not seeing. Okay, well, the Merck News reported that the new COVID nineteen cases are rising across California, um, and it could be testing. But they're not seeing a similar spike in hospital visits and deaths from the disease, saying that the progression may have entered a new phase. And they're speculating uh, that one theory is that the people now getting sick are younger, healthier and less likely to suffer severe illness. So fewer hospitalizations. You just you have it, but it's not so bad. You need a ventilator. Right. Because remember now, anybody in L.A. County specifically, uh, Anybody can get tested. You just got to go make your appointment, basically, and get tested. Yeah. So even if you don't have symptoms, some people are thinking to themselves, I'll go see what this great testing thing. That sounds like fun. Somebody jamming a Q-tip into my brain. That sounds like I they don't do that as much anymore. But um, anybody can get tested. So those asymptomatic people or even pre-symptomatic people are getting tested right. now long before they would have or long before they would have been able to even a month and a half ago. Right. So I think that's why we're seeing a, such a huge number. And and unfortunately, the headlines are that the case numbers are going up. We've always known we're underreporting the number of cases that are actually out there because not everybody's getting tested. It's the important number that you pointed out was that the hospitalizations are not increasing to the point that, that it is going to strain the system. Now, I know that Dr. Galley in L.A. County said that we have seen an increase in hospitalizations to the point where within a couple of weeks, two to four weeks, I think it was, we could see um, a, a problem when it comes to the rate of hospitalizations. But at this point, we are still okay. And that's that's a key. That's important to remember. L.A. County announced that museums can reopen today. But when the L.A. Times called said museums more than a dozen of them said not one of them actually said it was prepared to begin opening today they said most won't open for weeks if not months because they haven't figured out how to do all the social distancing and having people where they're, they stand and walkways and all that yes you question about that and this is i think what has bothered me about businesses who are not reopening or Businesses who have been allowed to reopen but are still keeping their doors closed. If you want to be careful, I understand it. You don't want to put your employees at risk or the customers, whatever, because you simply can't do the social distancing that's required. But why do you say we haven't had time to figure out what we're going to do? That's what I don't understand. You would think that this would be a constant conversation through all of this. Like when we reopen, how are we going to handle this? And you can, you know, you may not have the specific guidelines from the state about how to reopen a museum, but they've put out guidelines for all kinds of other businesses. You you have at least a pretty good blueprint of what the state's going to ask you to do in terms of those requirements. Our mall, for example, up in the Santa Clarita Valley opened up, but 
a bunch of the stores have stayed closed because they don't know how to socially distance. What do you mean you don't you don't know? It's one thing to say you you don't have the floor space to adequately socially distance people, but and there's got to be that a, you haven't had time to figure it out. I think that there's a, a political bend to it too. You know, a lot of these museums are funded by uh, rich liberal people. And they're not going to go anywhere. And they're not going to go anywhere. Those donations are not going to dry up necessarily. Exactly. So their businesses aren't going to suffer. Right. Okay, coming up next, San Francisco police will not respond to non-criminal calls. What does that look like? What does that mean? We have all the answers. Gary and Shannon will come. Take me to your best friend's house. I love you then and I love you now. Oh, yeah. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. U.S. health officials releasing long-awaited guidance about how to reduce the risk of coronavirus for Americans who are attempting to get back to normal life. CDC posted the guidelines today along with advice for organizing and attending big gatherings. Among the tips... Take the stairs down from your hotel room rather than riding in an elevator with others. Use hand sanitizer after using an ATM. Call ahead to restaurants and nail salons to make sure staff are wearing face coverings. I mean, I know we're a stupid people. We are a very But we're not that stupid, are we? There are... Yes, we are a we are a stupid, stupid people. Uh, the Oscars. Have you seen the changes that the Oscars are coming up with? No, they're going to have a set number of Best Picture nominees, uh, a to be determined representation and inclusion standard for eligibility. You can't just do a. Mo- Hold on a second. What was the name of the the lighthouse? Uh, the movie that's got. Two people in it. Willem Dafoe, Willem and, Robert Dafoe Pattinson. and Robert Pattinson. Did you hear that in my head? That was like like my brain yeah. telling my... Uh, it, two it was your white better guys. angel. It was my better angel yeah. speaking to me. Two white guys. Yeah. That will not... That will not pass any sort of policy for, uh, for representation and inclusion if the uh, Oscars make certain requirements of their nominees... The Academy said that uh, there will be 10 Best Picture nominees beginning with the 94th Academy Awards in 2022. So we've got some time before that happens. Um, all right. Did you hear that story about the guy that was poisoning the homeless people? Yes. Now, put him in jail for a very long time. He was charged with poisoning eight homeless people with an incredibly spicy resin derived from chili peppers so that he could videotape their reactions. 38-year-old William Cable fed the victims food laced with this, twice as strong as pepper spray used by police. Uh, The victims had seizure-like symptoms, couldn't breathe, they were vomiting, pain. Some had to be hospitalized. 
He was arrested last month in Huntington Beach, and uh, he's now been charged with nine felonies. Good Lord. What a sicko. Didn't Nick just come in here and say something like, we're all human? Yeah. We're not, Nick. No, we're not. Some people are idiots, not human. Well, you are seeing police departments across the country make changes very quickly. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has signed into law a package of police accountability measures. Laws signed today include one allowing the release of officers' disciplinary records. And in San Francisco, they say officers will stop responding to non-criminal activities like fights between neighbors, reports about homeless people, school discipline interventions. Rand Paul better stay out of the city. <laughs> um, they say that this is part of a reform package where the city of San Francisco strengthens its accountability policies bans the use of those military-grade weapons, diverts funding to the African-American community, uh, which comprises less than 6% of the population in San Francisco, but accounts for nearly 50% of those involved uh, in the criminal justice system, criminal justice involved. We don't know how much time and resources SFPD had spent responding to non-criminal calls, but there was a report in 2016 that estimated the city incurred nearly $21 million the year before to enforce quality of life laws against homeless residents. And that's just the homeless issue. Um, they're saying that um, that, I mean, the homeless issue is one thing in San Francisco. Uh, those neighborly disputes, those types of things uh, could be dealt with in another way. One of the examples that they use is a program in the city of Eugene, Oregon, which has been around for a few decades, actually. It's called CAHOOTS. Uh, what's it? CAHOOTS stands for um, Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets. And what they said they did in, uh, in the CAHOOTS program in Eugene, Oregon, is they literally took hippies who were suspicious of the police department and paired them up as like a mental health task force to go out with police on those calls for people who are dealing with homelessness, dealing with mental health, mental health issues, even in some cases dealing with domestic violence incidents that may have prompt, been prompted by those other underlying mental issues. They're also looking about changing the policy when it comes to releasing booking photos, that a new policy within a couple of weeks would reel back the release of these photos. because. Experts spoke with the police panel and found that releasing those pictures influences biases. Well, uh, and, and, and the photographs help promote stereotypes. It's an interesting thought. I mean, they released booking photos. I've seen this used in terms of the arguments about prostitution stings, where people can get busted in a prostitution sting. And again, in America, innocent until proven guilty, right? But if you show me a list of people who were arrested or pictures of people who were arrested in a prostitution sting, you don't get to walk that one back. This is before they'd been tried in court. Their pictures are now associated with the arrest. And I know it's just an announcement of an arrest, but there is a there is an inherent bias in seeing someone's picture associated with something like that. I'm, I've always been curious about that. I don't have a giant problem with it. Hey, don't get busted in a prostitution sting and your picture is not going to show up on the evening news. 
Did you hear about the problem in the city right now when it comes to reopening restaurants? So what you've seen in a lot of places, you know, San Pedro, Long Beach, uh, in Marin County, too, is uh, outdoor dining, alfresco dining, so that you can uh, space yourselves out, be outside, less contamination worries. But when uh, you're in San Francisco and the smell of urine and feces is wafting through the June gloom, it's not so uh it's not so inviting. It doesn't make you want to say bon appetit. No, and on those beautiful warm sunny days in San Francisco when it mm. gets to all of like 71 degrees yeah. and people are complaining about how hot it is, it only makes it smell worse. Oh. It's it Could you imagine sitting outside on Market Street it gets eating food? Steamy. Your eyes start to water. Okay. Gary and Shannon, that's enough. <laughs> You know, it's bad when I pull the cord. Uh, We'll talk about no bail when we come back. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCU. At GDIT, we know cyber is the thread that runs across every endpoint, every network, and every person. We make cybersecurity a priority. GDIT Cyber. Secure today, smarter tomorrow. Learn more at GDIT.com slash cyber. Good news. California wineries welcoming people into their tasting rooms. Hotels, zoos, museums, aquariums allowed to reopen. Tourism industry trying to balance how to uh, implement safety measures to control this pandemic without ruining the fun. Hotels will limit people lounging by pools. Doesn't make much sense. Uh, Attractions (laughs) will require masks. Again, everyone's coming up with their own arbitrary rules. Uh, on how to keep people safe. Our uh, The club of urban camping enthusiasts continues to grow in L.A. County. The number of homeless people encountered over the last year jumped nearly 13% to more than 66,000 in L.A. County. As, uh, officials said that most of those experiencing an urban camping enthusiasm were found in the city of Los Angeles. Well, we talked about zero bail and how that has been a thing during coronavirus. Now there's new information that it may stick around here in Los Angeles County. Yeah, the uh, the Judicial Council for the state had a ruling that it's going to leave it up to the counties about what to do with zero bail. Uh, Eric Siddall, uh is a vice. Let me get the title right. Vice, vice President, President of the Association of L.A. Deputy D.A.s. Yes, That's a really big business card, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) So it looks like good morning to you both. Good morning to you too. It looks like civil rights advocates say they hope that zero bail in LA County is here to stay. They're talking about releasing all the people in LA County from the jails during coronavirus and that crime has dropped and isn't this a wonderful world we have here? What do you think the effects uh, are going to be? 
Well, I think right now L.A. County continues to have an issue with the coronavirus and especially within our jails. So keeping zero bail uh, with the exception of repeat offenders probably makes sense right now. Just so you know, just because it says zero bail, there's a couple things. First of all, violent offenders are not included in that list of zero bail. They're still being kept in custody. And those are the people that we really want to keep um, off the streets. So um, zero bail doesn't mean it for everyone. Um, Also, the judges continue to have discretion. There are constitutional rules regarding bail that that uh, um, that kind of override any of the zero bail issues. So on certain types of cases, individual cases, we could still ask for bail on certain cases. But. Overall, I think what we want to continue to do in Los Angeles is, um, and this is something that our DA, uh, Jackie Lacey, kind of led the effort on before, even before the, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, the California Supreme Court started taking um, the reins on this issue, is let's limit our jails to the worst of the worst. Otherwise, you know, we're going to have such horrible conditions in our jails that the violent criminals are going to be released. You know, I, many people don't know this, but there's so many people in quarantine right now. I mean, I think it's like 50% or something like that are in quarantine. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but huge numbers. We're getting miss outs every day on people. Um, that's going to affect our cases. You know, we have to try people within a certain amount of time. And if we can't get them in court, we may, you know, we're going to start losing our witnesses. So, well, I think the moderation on this issue is important because of coronavirus, because of the uh, the decision on zero bail and because of what we saw even in the last couple of weeks with civil unrest, um, with people protesting and then looting, uh, you know, different people looting. Do you feel like the the California court system is under a strain right now or we're just waiting for things to open back up i mean is it really negatively affecting i guess that you kind of answered that already but is it negatively affecting the court system as a whole no i mean i think the the biggest problem that we have right now is getting our defendants to uh, that are in custody into the courts um and that's that's the biggest hurdle we have right now. A lot of these guys are quarantined, and that's that's the strain. Um, you know, I, I was an early critic of how the courts handle the whole pandemic, um, but the courts are, are the court leadership has been pretty responsible over the past month in uh, in its decisions how to open, uh, you know, limiting the amount of courts that are open. So I I, I think they've actually started to handle this situation pretty well. I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. It does. I, uh, I just wonder, you know, we have so many stories that we have uncovered since coronavirus started, since zero bail began. And there are countless reports of people who are arrested two, three, four times. And as you know, the word gets out with criminals and the criminal community uh, when it comes to, right. hey, you're going to get away with it. You're, to, don't worry about uh, stealing something or what have you, because right now it's zero bail. Uh, I just don't know what the lasting effects of that would be. Well, I think that's that's where we have to change things a little, and we have to have some modifications. Uh, for repeat offenders, it makes sense then to put, them in, uh, put bail on them, right? Uh, 
those those people who are doing this repeatedly, no question. The other the other issue that I think that we as an association would like to see, this was a mistake that was made in the uh, in the in the previous order done by the Judicial Council. But for example, if you're on probation for a domestic violence case, uh, you and it was a misdemeanor, they released you. Uh, I think that needs to be there needs to be a correction as it applies to domestic violence cases. Yeah. Uh, so that that needs to be changed. In fact, there there's a hashtag out there. Zero bail fail of all the different stories of people who have been released and uh, then go on to commit crimes that are are serious. You know, I think that people we have to look at the zero bail thing as a temporary fix. You know, we're, we're, we're working in like a triage unit right now, and this is an emergency crisis. This is not something that we should be aiming for or striving for in the long term, but it is something that is that is important to do right now, especially with limited capacity in our jails. You know, I think everyone agrees that if you or actually I, I shouldn't say everyone, I think those who are really true opponents of of. Uh, or, you know, who, who claim to be true criminal justice reformers really don't believe anyone should be in custody, including murderers or rapists. But if you're if you're like if you're approaching this in good faith, if you're approaching this uh, in a responsible, technocratic way. Right now, you kind of you want to limit your jail space to violent felons. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's OK. I'll take that temporarily. Right. That's it's, sure. And that's the thing, you know, we've been trying to make that point when you talk about abolishing all police or you talk about abo- <laughs> emptying out all the prisons. People are not right. going to uh, have space for you at the negotiating table. But if you come to the table with let's uh, let's move some money around, let's fund more social programs, let's try to hit it up on the back end and and uh, and limit the jails for the, the, the violent criminals. And that's been actually that's been going on. Like you said, here in L.A. County, you need to screw up a lot to be put away. Right. <laughs> you get a yeah. lot of chances yeah. here. I, I, I think that there, there has always been a lot of misinformation uh, about those who want to just kind of blow up the entire system. They've made it sound like we put everyone in county. Anyone who does anything goes and in, 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 in is put in county jail. That was never Ever the case. This is like one of the most progressive counties in the United States. And it was always, we always had the worst of the worst for the most part in our county jail system. And, you know, these people who really all they, they're, they just want to blow up the system. And they've been lying about bail for and who's in our custody for a very long time. And they're kind of using this. And this is what I think is really disingenuous. They're, they're trying to use this crisis to say that there's some long-term problems with our jails that need to be resolved. And the numbers don't bear out in terms of the actual data. It doesn't, it doesn't show what they, what they say. Well, Eric, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Appreciate the insight. Hey, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk. You bet. Eric Siddall there, VP of the ALADDA. That's a, a lot. Association of L.A. <laughs> Deputy District Attorneys. We'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon.
you know, you can do that at home. Well, it's Friday. Wait, hold on a second. I know when you say that, people are automatically going to assume that I don't have any pants on. And I do have pants on. Yeah, well, we all know that you're pantsless when you're at home. I have pants on, right? Check. Check. Uh, Pants check. Nick, this is a terrible Come on, wait a minute. Pants Pants. check. Oh, pants. Pants. We're all in pants. Yes. I'm technically in a skort. Oh, oh, well, that counts. Yeah. Nick found this terrible story out of Denver. Apparently, it happened on Wednesday. There's a guy and his girlfriend in their early 20s walking their dog in a park, and he prompts his dog to poop. I don't know how, but he asks his Go dog potty. to poop. Go, Go potty. And then a man in an apartment yells at him, saying, are you going to train your dog or just yell at it? And the guy tried to ignore the crazy person. But the guy in the apartment fired on this couple. Five shots killed the girlfriend. The man's expected to survive, but that was it. That was the only interaction. Go potty, go potty, go potty, go potty. That sucks. Somebody died, Gary. What do you mean? I know, because the dog wasn't trained well. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. I sent a text to my daughter, and this may be a record for the amount of time she's gone without responding to a text message. Uh, It's been approximately nine minutes. I think something's wrong. But I asked her if she went to the gym today. Today was when our gym was supposed to open. Um, under modified health orders that go into effect today, gyms, fitness facilities, hotels, lodging, short-term rentals, museums, galleries, zoos, aquariums, day camps, RVs, campgrounds, outdoor recreation areas, and pools are all allowed to reopen in L.A. County if they so choose. Of course, gym owners could add extra safety protocols as they see fit, but they got to make sure that all gym equipment and mats are sanitized before and after each use. Saunas, steam rooms, and hot tubs still close. Trust me. If you're going into a hot tub with 150 of your closest friends, you're immune to coronavirus by now. So like you and Jason. How many men were in that hot tub? You said three. Tops. I said 150. This is not the same. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin could receive more than $1 million in pension benefits, even if he's convicted of killing George Floyd. A number of states laws allow for the forfeiture of pensions for employees convicted of felonies Uh, this is not the case in minnesota how is that possible and i don't even i don't even mean specifically powerful but if you're convicted especially if you're convicted of a felony that has anything to do with your job at the state that would allow you to get that pension that seems like it's an easy easy fix uh, and should have been done decades ago Uh, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Now, two of the other officers that were charged in uh, George Floyd's death were rookies. The third does appear to be eligible to receive some pension benefits as well from his time with the department, although it's not as much as Derek Shaw. I bet the union argued that it was extra important if they are convicted of a crime because of their job that they still have their compensation because that police could be unfairly involved in something like this because of their line of work like it would be uh, somebody would target them for for felony charges no just that in the course of doing your job uh somebody could die 
and it's a uh, added protection for them. Well, The Bachelor is making history throughout the 18 years of uh, the American downfall that's called The Bachelor. Not a single Bachelor chosen to lead the franchise has ever been African-American until now. 28-year-old Matt James He's will be The Bachelor. He's a real estate broker, entrepreneur, community organization founder. He was originally cast as a suitor on Claire Crowley's season of The Bachelorette, which is The Bachelorette that's supposed to be now. Um, but has been postponed because of coronavirus. They say that The Bachelorette will now air this fall. He's adorable. Yeah, he is. Down, Amy. Down. What? what? Uh, I'm just making an observation. He's a kid from North Carolina, alumni, alum of Wake Forest University, majored economics, played uh, wide receiver for Wake Forest, um, played professionally. Where did he play? He did. I'm Googling. <laughs> Um, more than 75,000 people signed a petition on change.org demanding for representation and a set of actions to help combat racism. Trust me, if you're looking to the bachelor and the bachelorette to be sort of the, well, it's very popular in parts of the country where racism exists. Wait, what is the The bachelor? Bachelor. Oh yeah. Well, it's popular around the country. I, I know that, but, but the idea that. What you see on a reality television show, finger quotes, reality television show, being the salve that's going to uh, to help heal the wound that is this, you know, this racism in this country doesn't make any sense. OK, here is his football career. Uh, it looks like his time at Wake Forest, a lot of injuries. He was healthy for most of a senior citizen, finished with 40 catches senior in 2014. <laughs> Senior citizen. Senior season, I meant to say. Um, he received an invitation to the Carolina Panthers rookie mini camp in 2015, but did not catch on with the team and was released before the preseason started. So, so he didn't play professionally. No. He thought about playing professionally. Well, ABC. Listen, ABC wrote this up about an ABC property, so they had to make this guy sound even better. It's fine. Apparently, he uh, spent some time with the New Orleans Saints, but cut from both teams. So he never played professionally. Hey, uh, Hattie called and left us a voicemail. Hi, my name is Hattie, and this is the first time I ever called this radio station. But I just wanted to call to give Shannon props because the interview I just heard her do with the guy in Washington, I was rolling. Oh, my God, I was rolling. I had to pull over and park and look up your number and call. So please give her an award because she kept her composure because I would have been busted. <laughs> I would have been busted up at that dude. <laughs> we will replay the interview with Jared coming up at 120. And when we come back, our small business shout out Pickwick's Pub in Woodland Hills. Gary and Shannon will continue. And show the Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Time for our small business shout-out. Kim Maiden is uh, our guest today from Pickwick's Pub in Woodland Hills. Kim, thanks for taking time for us today. Of course. So what's the story behind Pickwick's Pub? How did it all start? Oh, my gosh. We've been around for a really long time. My parents 
bought this pub about, oh my gosh, over 30 years ago. So it has been in my family for a really long time. I mean, gosh, I remember being a kid running around here when <laughs> uh, there was like pay phones in the back. Um, but I had my sweet 16 here. Um, it just had so much history, I'll tell you. It is the longest, I think, one of the longest standing pubs in the valley. Um, yeah, lots of cool things have come out of here. We filmed The Office here. Um, Bruno Mars has played here many times. So just a lot of history. It's a great little pub, just known for kind of family style. We have a lot of regulars and people that have, you know, continued to come here for 30 40 years, even before my dad owned it. Now, a lot of people have thought that this, you know, coronavirus shutdown has been a catastrophe, and it has for a lot of small businesses. But you guys aren't, um, you guys aren't strangers to that. There was a, you guys had to rebuild about 15 years ago. Tell us about the fire. We did from, you know, gosh, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through the window. What? At that time, yeah, craziness. So uh, my father had actually sold the business at that time and bought something called Love's Barbecue, but he still owned the land. And he got a call, I believe, at like 2 a.m. And I remember just being home from college and graduated and basically said the pub's on fire. Someone threw, there was some kind of fight in the bar earlier, and somebody threw a Molotov cocktail through the window. I mean, everything was gone. It was crazy. It was crazy coming down here that, that, that morning and seeing just like all history just burn to the ground. So you know, he built it back from scratch, and he was thinking of, of selling it all. And I'm like, no, I just graduated college. Let me run it. Don't don't sell it. It's part of our family. So that's kind of, you know, we, we gutted it and built it from the ground up. It looks really different. But, you know, we, we tried to keep some of the same history alive in it, which is just making it feel cozy. Took a while to the white walls to get a little dirty. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's definitely got a little, you know, little ruggedness to it now. I can't wait to get back out there and play darts and watch sports on TV and sit in a pub. Oh, Oh my gosh. It's been nuts. It's been, I mean, a whirlwind for us. If you can imagine, I mean, we're just a family business. So the only people that kept working were my brother, myself, my dad. I mean, he's almost 70 and was here every day trying to keep it alive. And and then we have one cook, two cooks. And, I mean, I can tell you the amount of fights that went on. Family business is rough. We all don't see eye to eye on things, and I'm surprised we made it through, but we did. I bet. So tell us about your menu. You've got some great food that you're doing. Oh, my gosh. We have such a good menu. It's funny because most people don't think about pubs to be known for their food, and we are so the opposite. So people rave about our food. Um, We have our fish and chips. So we actually survived. I kind of joke about this. We survived the quarantine through family fish and chips. And burritos and Bloody Marys. Like, I should make a slogan. Like, I survived I survived COVID with burritos. Um, I always had a goal. It was every Sunday I worked. I'm like, I will sell a hundred damn burritos if it kills me. And so we, we, we definitely have these great breakfast burritos with homemade chili. But we're known for our fish and chips. That's our staple here, our pies. We do pickwick pie, which is like big chunks of steak and Guinness gravy with a puff pastry on top. Um, we use an Icelandic cod, which is just a nice, firm piece of fish and a light beer batter. 
So, so many great things. We're known for our sticky toffee pudding. I'm no joke. I've literally seen people like lick their bowl clean. <laughs> so it's kind of disturbing. And now I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but, There's not a lot of licking going on in a pub anymore. There's not it's... a lot of licking going on. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Kim Maiden from uh, Pickwick's Pub in, in Woodland Hills. And you can check out the website, pickwickpub.com. That, that brings up my question about fish and chips. I mean, you could probably find a thousand different places around LA that make fish and chips or that serve mm-hmm. fish and chips without giving away secrets. I mean, you mentioned that the type of fish that you use, is there something else yeah. that you guys do that, that is, that shows your love and, and actually makes I it better? Think, I'm going to tell you, it's the secret that we don't overcomplicate it. I think sometimes simple is better and we make it so that the batter doesn't over you know, take over the fish so mm-hmm. that you can still taste that nice Atlantic cod. A lot of people use different kinds of fish like Polek or different things, um, tilapia. We use that nice Atlantic cod, but it's such a simple batter. Not going to give you the ingredients, but it's so simple, so simple, and it's not so much batter. We really lightly batter it um, that it's just like salty goodness. We also have the most amazing onion rings. I hate onions, and I can devour a whole basket of onion rings. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I am so hungry right now for fish and <laughs> we chips. We do this and every day. Why do we do this every day? I COVID-15. <laughs> well, um, and, and then, you know, British food in general. I mean, I know that you guys have, you know, regular burgers and things like that, but British food always has a bad reputation of being bland, boring, lame, yeah. and having funny, funny names like Spotted Dick. But... What is it about oh, yes, that yes. kind of food that, that, that you guys like to do? Well, don't forget the bangers and mash. Oh, there's that. Yeah. Well, I don't carry spotted dick. It's not a favorite of mine. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I've been to England. It's usually, it's usually a sign of a bigger problem anyway. So, it's yeah. a big problem. That's why I don't carry it. You know, not everybody's cup of tea, but, hey, if it is, go for it. Um, so, I mean, I've been to England a few times, and I will tell you that, yeah, there is things in England that are bland, but ours is just, my dad's created a lot of these recipes from so many years ago. They're they're just so flavorful. I mean, our shepherd's pie, we use beer in a lot of things. So Guinness gravies are huge here. Um, curry, oh my gosh, we have a traditional uh, English curry that, uh, it's crazy. People just order fries, they have to have curry on the side. Mm. How so is the I English curry different? Is the English curry Indian curry or is it different? Gosh, I don't. It's just called yellow curry. It's a okay. yellow curry. It's a chip shop, chip shop curry, and it's just how to explain it. It's I don't even know. It's just so flavorful. Well, I'll have to just come in and try it. Yeah, exactly. Kim Maiden once again from Pickwick's Pub in Woodland Hills, right there on Ventura Boulevard. It's easy to find. Uh, PickwickPub.com online, and then on Facebook and Instagram, it looks like Pickwick's Pub is the uh, is yeah. the handle. You can check everything out. Kim, it's delightful yes, to talk to you. All kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> it's delightful to talk to you. We wish you the best of luck as everything gets back open and you guys can start getting people in there and hanging out. Yeah, take yeah. care, Kim. Nice to meet you. Uh, thank you, guys. Yes, definitely. Thanks, guys. All right, when we come back, Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon will continue. It started with the whisper. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Did you see the homeless numbers? No bueno. Number of homeless people in L.A. County. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Urban. Camping enthusiasts. Okay. Camping enthusiasts? Urban camping enthusiasts. 
Okay. Involved? Urban camping enthusiast involved? The number of them in L.A. County keeps going up. The results of the latest homeless count saw a 13% increase in the county since last year. The city of L.A. saw a 14% jump. That is substantial. Well, it's a good thing we're throwing all kinds of money at it. Um, And can we pump the brakes on the mentally ill woman in Torrance? Oh, yes. This, this isn't is a odd. sign of this is a, not a sign of, of uh, out loud racism. This is a sign of out loud mental illness, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's it's showing itself that way. Uh, but I do feel like there's a whole lot more going on there than just a woman who's racist and ranting at people in public. Uh, there, this is a, an image of a woman who. Uh, first I saw she had accosted a jogger there, was yeah. running on stairs or something like that, and told her to go back to Asia or whatever Asian country she came from. Uh, there's another video out there as well where uh, she's she's yelling at somebody to go back to where he came from. She's unhinged. That's that's the thing. And I, I, I'm not going to say if – well, I do feel bad for her. She's clearly not well. Right. That's not, that's not the action of a woman who's just pushed beyond her limit once. You want baseball news? Oh, God, I don't know if I want baseball news because none of it's been good. Well, MLB has offered players 80% of their prorated salaries in a 72-game season. I'm listening. I wonder if they are, too. Details of the proposal was obtained by the AP, and players are said to, under this deal, will get 70% of their prorated salaries during the regular season and the rest for the completion of the postseason. Okay. I haven't seen any player reaction yet. No, and unfortunately, this is one of those things where it's played out in the media too often, too much. All right, it's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp Watch. Well, he told you about the president's decision to host a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th, Juneteenth, and that was by design. Apparently, he's going to talk about all the things that he's been able to do for black people in this country. There was some concern that he had no idea what he was doing. The White House press secretary said he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, This is a site, of course, of a massacre of black residents back in 1921. But the date also, that Juneteenth is usually a holiday that recognizes the end of slavery in the United States um, and has gained prominence, of course, as we are dealing with the with racial discrimination in the country in general, with George Floyd's death uh, specifically, four states the president has announced this week for these new rallies: uh, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina. Three are, are seeking, are sorry, seeing more new cases of coronavirus than they had in the past. If you're going to one of the president's rallies, you have to sign away your rights should you get coronavirus. Attendees cannot sue the campaign or the venue if they contract the virus. That's what you sign off on. Yeah, it says uh, the statement on the campaign website for those who want to go to the uh, to the event, quote, by clicking register below, you're acknowledging that an inherent risk of exposure to COVID-19 exists in any public place where people are present. 
By attending the rally, you and any guests voluntarily assume all risks related to exposure to COVID-19. Agree not to hold Donald J. Trump for President Incorporated, BOK Center, ASM Global, or any of the affiliates, directors, officers, employees, agents, contractors, volunteers liable for any illness or injury. Got a couple books that the White House doesn't want to see happen. The one we don't know much about is the one from John Bolton. Um, the name of the book is The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. And, of course, a former ambassador to the U.N. under George W. Bush, national security advisor. Under he was on John our Bolton, show. Which I think is probably the highlight. I, I, mean, tried to from, li- I tried to listen to what he was saying that day, but I couldn't get past that mustache. Do you realize how hard it is to look at or to to listen to people that you're having a conversation with without being able to see their mouth? Yeah. I mean, the masks, I think, have really been a uh, made it very evident to a lot of people. It's hard to carry on a conversation. But with John Bolton, you just couldn't see Mm -hmm. under that mound of of nose fur that he had hanging over his face. They're worried about it because John Bolton was a prolific note taker in high level meetings that he would sit there filling a yellow legal pad after yellow legal pad with notes. He wrote it down in real time. And when he left, the White House didn't get those notebooks back. They said that uh, the people who have read this book say that there will be all kinds of other indications of misconduct by Donald Trump um, beyond whatever happened with Ukraine. This is what the epilogue says. As if impeachment were not enough, I also found myself confronting the daunting challenge of fighting an incumbent president determined to prevent publication of a book about my White House experiences. Trump behaved typically, directing the seizure and withholding of my advisor's personal and other unclassified documents, despite numerous requests for their return, obstructing my Twitter account and making outright threats of censorship. His reaction thus ranged from the mean-spirited to the constitutional uh, impermissible. My reaction, my response, game on. Oh. He goes on to say that John, that uh, Donald Trump is somebody for whom getting reelected was the only thing that mattered and that he was willing to let this the nation suffer as a whole just to get reelected. Now, the one the other one, but we know a lot more about this is a book that I got to listen, you have to read this for the entertainment value if nothing else. Uh Stephanie Grisham who is a, a spokesperson again for First Lady Melania Trump says that this new book coming out from the Washington Post reporter Mary Jordan is a a an act of fiction. It belongs in the fiction genre. It's called The Art of Her Deal. The Untold Story of Melania Trump by Washington Washington Post reporter Mary Jordan. They say that she used her position as first lady to renegotiate her prenup with Donald Trump. And it would be a postnup. That she waited six months to move into the White House while she was working with her lawyers. That she needed a cooling off period after learning details about Trump's marital infidelities. Well, listen, I guess you could say that. She also said she wanted to keep Barron in the school that he was in. And that's why she wanted to finish out that year. Here's a bombshell. She's had plastic surgery. Are Uh. you kidding me? Uh, They're also hard-hitting Washington Post reporters are trying to figure out exactly how Melania Trump and Donald Trump met. Who cares? Are we, why do we need to nail that down? Was it the Kit Kat Club? Did he get? Did she really turn down his request for her phone number? 
we just got corrected about Juneteenth. This is fascinating. I didn't know this. Uh, it's not actually a celebration of the end of slavery in America. And listen to this. It's the commemoration of slaves in Texas being told about the abolishment of slavery more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Uh, okay. I didn't, I don't think we got as specific as that, but that makes sense. I mean, that's a much more specific description of it. I heard All before. right. It was a mess on Wall Street yesterday. We will hook up with Caleb Silver coming up next from Investopedia about what we should take from that. Quick email from, uh, from Brant, that guy Jared from the Autonomous Zone in Seattle that you guys interviewed. Can't be real. You've got to be putting us on. That was hysterical. I couldn't stop laughing. We will play it again coming up at 120. It was, it was magical. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 2011 is our flashback Friday year this day, because that was when the uh, Occupy Wall Street protests were hot and heavy. We actually found somebody who was in one of the Occupy Wall Street protests here in L.A., Occupy L.A., who is now up in the... uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle, I guess, occupying an autonomous zone or whatever mishmash. We're going to replay the interview we did with uh, Jared coming up at uh, 120. The Dow dropped more than 1,800 points yesterday because it looks like investors are worried about a second wave of coronavirus and what that means for the economy. Caleb Silver is editor-in-chief of Investopedia, joins us now from New York. Caleb, what should we take from yesterday's downfall? You should take that investors are still are starting to get very cautious about how long they think the recovery is going to take. Stocks were on an unbelievable tear through May. Uh, they went up about 40 percent. The Nasdaq even hit another record high. So stocks were on a tear and were probably overvalued. Now that we know the realities of the situation with 43 million people out of work over the past 10, 11 weeks, and we have a long recovery ahead of us, as the Federal Reserve says, I think investors are getting a little bit more cautious. We've talked uh, in the last couple of weeks about how the stock market itself does not appear to be connected directly to things like the unemployment numbers, uh, retail sales numbers, things like that, because there is so much optimism. Was there any connection to the, the civil unrest that we saw over the last couple of weeks? I think very little. I think the stock market's been reacting to news on vaccines and news on, on the length of the recovery. When we had good news on vaccines, like we did three, four weeks ago, stocks were on a tear. Every sector was on a tear because that signified there could be an economic recovery. If a vaccine were to come and there was a resurgence to the virus, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Now we're not so sure because cases keep rising in places where they hadn't been rising before. We haven't had good vaccine news in a while. And the CDC says if there's another rise, we're going to have to shut down the economy, something the Trump administration really doesn't want to do, given the damage that it did this time. I guess I don't understand the timing of this because we've seen models that there's going to be a second wave ever since the first wave began. Right. I think people have just pent up demand. We've been cooped up for three, three and a half months here, and people want to believe that things are getting back to normal. If you're out on the streets, probably in Los Angeles, it may seem that way in some places. Uh, but we, where that is happening aggressively in places like Arizona and Texas, we're seeing the virus come back pretty aggressively. And the fear of another shutdown is something that investors uh, do not want to face and, and maybe taking some money off the table, given the rise we've had. Now, whenever the Fed speaks, uh, obviously investors are going to listen. What was said on Wednesday from the Fed Reserve about what we can look forward to? 
Well, the Fed says they're going to keep interest rates at zero or close to zero until 2022 at least. So they're going to keep those borrowing rates down because they know the economy needs borrowing to happen in order for it to recover. They also said the the high unemployment rate, which is one of its mandates, is uh, much higher than it can control, and it doesn't know how long it's going to take to work that down. We had a little bit of job recovery in May. Was that real job recovery or just temporary jobs, people getting hired back who are on furlough or just temporary layoffs? We need robust job growth. Otherwise, that high unemployment rate translates into a a lag in consumer spending, and the economy is driven by consumer spending, like it or not. Yeah, and, and hey, I mean, even if we have a few straight days of sell-offs, uh, there's always Friday, and we're actually up about uh, 500 points right now on the Dow. Well, you see that after a huge loss like we had yesterday, and that's what we had back in March. Remember, we had days of 8 9 10% losses, another day of 3 4% gain, then another day of 8 9 10% losses. This is volatility. Shows you that investors are uncertain and they're bidding stocks and options to buy stocks all over the place. It's a scary time for individual investors, but you got to stay put because if you sold off when it was falling before, you missed the rallies of all time. It's going to be choppy for a while, but hang in there if you have the time uh, to keep money invested in the stock market. Caleb Silver, editor in chief of Investopedia, thanks for your time. Appreciate the insight. Thank you. You bet. Uh, when we come back, Ryan Burrow is going to join us. Sort of a follow-up what we talked yesterday. The Louisville, uh, Kentucky City Council has approved a ban on those no-knock warrants that led to the death of Breonna Taylor a couple of months ago. We'll talk with Ryan about that coming up on Gary and Shannon. Hey, I just met you. Lesser Angel loved this song in 2011. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> lesser Angel. What are, what, are, what are they called? Uh, that's about right. I'll, oh, I'll go boy. With lesser Angel. Oh, boy. It's catchy. Did, uh, n- nine news nuggets you need to know in the bottom of this hour. We're going to replay our interview with Jared. The um, What did he say? He has a master's degree in puppetry? Medieval puppetry? Yeah, from William and Mary. Yeah, something like that. He's up at the uh he's up at that Seattle Autonomous Zone up on Capitol Hill where they've said that they're gonna do without cops and everything. Uh but we'll check in with him in a few minutes. Did you know that the world is ending next week? Which explains a lot of what's going on. Uh is this a Lori Vallow <laughs> nope. prediction? No, it's not. Now, it's the it's the Mayan calendar. If you remember back in 2012, that was when the world was going to end based yes. on the Mayan calendar. It turns out everybody was reading that differently, reading it wrong. Eleven days of time were lost from the year that was once determined by the Julian calendar when we changed to the Gregorian calendar. Over time, the lost days add up. And now there's a conspiracy theory claiming that we are technically in the year 2012, not 2020. And what was December 21st, 2012, when the world was going to end there, is actually June 21st, 2020. Awesome. So. What is that, nine days? A week from Sunday. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. I got, a lot of, I got a lot to think about in the next nine days. Well, I have news that actually matters. Okay. Uh, L.A. County reporting 20 deaths. Oh, good. I mean, not good. That's, it, that's not the is, right word. It is a better number than in, we've seen in the last couple of days. Yes. In context, that is that's kind of like a Monday number. Yeah. That's on a Friday, which is 
Which is unusual. Good. Usually that's when we'd get into the several dozen deaths from COVID-19. Well, we talked to Ryan Burrow about Brianna's law and about the no-knock warrants that seemed to lead to her death. Now the Louisville, Louisville City Council has unanimously approved a ban on those types of warrants. Ryan Burrow is joining us to talk more about this story specifically and how this is going to pan out. Do do you think this is going to be challenged in court by police agencies? Uh, it doesn't sound like it. Um, it sounds like there's a overwhelming agreement, uh, whether it be Republicans or Democrats. Uh, everyone seems to be joining forces on this, at least in the city of Louisville. And even um, we're seeing U.S. Senator Rand Paul say that he is introducing or plans to introduce very similar legislation at the federal level, um, which could be interesting and could make for some uh, interesting discussions. We know that Republican leadership in the Senate is looking at uh, uh, maybe creating some kind of uh, new criminal reform policy. So uh, this could be factored in with that as well. But yeah, 26 to 0, uh, greeted with applaud uh, when it passed. And then we saw really hundreds of people on the street watching it. Uh, They had a television set up just across the street from where that vote was taking place and a big celebration. Benjamin Crump, who's representing not only uh, the family of uh, Breonna Taylor, but also the family of George Floyd came out, uh, said this is a, a huge step, a big step, and and a victory. And so, you know, everyone seems to be on board with, with the direction this is going, at least in Louisville right now. Well, it seems like police officers are putting themselves in more danger with these no-knock warrants. When you paint the picture of somebody uh, inside their home, and all of a sudden somebody bursts through the front door, if you're armed, you've got a firearm next to you, you're probably gonna gonna approach them with it, and and the officers uh, weren't in uniform either. They were plain clothed officers who were bursting in. Now they still claim, uh, at least what we're hearing, that they uh, announced their entrance, um, but did have guns drawn, and obviously they ended up uh, firing uh, those weapons at Brianna Taylor, who died basically in her hallway. Um, but the investigation still continues on that. And, and part of this Brianna's law not only ends those no-knock uh, uh, search warrants, but it also requires officers that are performing search warrants to turn their body cameras on at least five minutes before they start, because we don't seem to have one in this case. And uh, that may have helped uh, everyone understand the situation a little bit better, as horrific as it was. It may also have made these officers maybe a little bit uh, more aware uh, of the situation and maybe a little more timid as far as entering this this home. It seems like that specific rule about turning body cameras on before, you know, several minutes before the event, whatever it happens to be, that these types of, you know, smaller uh, reforms to the rules should have been in place before. It's just now that there's this outside pressure because of the situation we find ourselves in that that some of these sort of missed opportunities to get those rules in place uh, are going to be corrected now. I think you're absolutely right, and, and we heard that from uh, the, the governor of Minnesota, who said that he didn't think that they had to put uh, some new rules on the books about chokeholds because he didn't know why those were still in existence. But because of uh, the current climate we're in, it allows uh, some of the people who have seen these kind of issues pop up to really try to force them in and, and try to get this these reform packages put together as quickly as possible. And uh, in the case in Louisville, they moved very quickly and, and passed it 26 to, to zero. Can I go back to the beginning? You said this thing passed 26 to zero. 
There's 26 members, members of the city council in Louisville. <laughs> That's a you lot. know, I'd have to. Yeah, I, I guess I have to do a little research. No, maybe uh, you're right. I, it, I, it did pass 26 to zero, but I, I don't know if maybe someone was out or if someone didn't vote. That could potentially be it. No, that you're right. It says there's 26 metro it just council seems like districts. There's a lot. We have what nine in Los Angeles? We have nine city council members. We have five. In really? the county, when our board of supervisors, and we have we have ten million people in the. How county. many do you have in Chicago? We've, we've got we've got fifty city aldermen in Chicago. Oh wow, Good Lord, that's like that's a... too many cooks in the kitchen, Ryan. <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, by the way, on that, that June 21st, that's my birthday. So if the oh. world ends, oh. I guess I'll go out with a bang, huh? Wow. Should have thought about that. You're going to have a fun time on your birthday. <laughs> Blow it out, Ryan. Yeah. Blow it out. Take care, guys. You bet, we'll Ryan Burrow there from uh, from ABC News. We Nick, come write back. down uh, Ryan's uh, Don't birthday write, so what, that we can send a card. Why? What do you mean, why? Why are you going to send a card? Well, it's before the end of the world. Yeah, but what do you, the next day? There's no June 22nd. It's not like he's going to be mad at you the next day. Hey, you know what? Gary oh. Shannon never sent a card. You're right. That's a wasted $3. He's supposed three bucks. You tried to buy a card lately? <laughs> Why are you yelling? Because card prices are out of this world. They actually are. I think the last card I bought was more than $5. It was yeah. like $5 and change. I'm like, this is why people don't buy cards anymore. And to be honest, the writing's not that good. It's not that good. You know what? We should start a card business. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. When Our we first come card back, will be for Amy King. Capitol Hill Autonomous <laughs> Zone is that place in Seattle that people have blocked off, and they think they're protesting something. What started out as what was supposed to be a Black Lives Matter protest has morphed into just, like, we're free and can get high 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's unfair that they've hijacked the message and now are exuding a hell of a lot of white privilege. So a guy that uh, we talked to several years ago during the Occupy L.A. movement, a guy named Jared, uh, he is there. He's made his way to Seattle, I guess. He hitchhiked his way or rode the trains or however you do it these days. We'll talk with Jared coming up in just a few minutes. Gary and Shannon. 2011, our flashback Friday year, because that is when we had the Occupy Wall Street protest going on. There was a guy who was living in the park there in front of City Hall for a long time and actually outlasted all of the other protesters because they came through and did a pretty good sweep of that place and cleaned out the buckets of human waste. It's um, Jared, right? It is Jared. And Jared's a guy uh, who li- literally lived in one of those trees for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is that he's on the phone with us. Oh, great. That's excellent. I hope his signal is good. Hello? Jared, hey. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for making time for us this morning. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry I could barely hear you over the sound of my own bong rips um, and stuff. But, hey, um, I just wanted to talk about, like, uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, see what's going on with you. Uh, Yeah, paint a picture for us of what you see out there. Oh, man, I just see love for one thing. I mean... It's all about, like, you know, our socioeconomic machinations of, like, the Judeo-Christian military-industrial complex and how it's just making people into slaves. 
but we don't like to say that word. So, oh, we'll just say like indentured servants. And it sucks, man. It sucks. Is this more about Black Lives Matter or more about corporate America and uh, the man? Oh, we've totally forgotten about like Black Lives Matter here because, I mean, it's more like free sandwiches matter and free sandwiches are awesome. I don't know if um, if you've tried like one of those meat substitute sandwiches with like fake mustard or nothing, but oh my gosh, it's so good. So um, what are some of the activities you guys are uh, keeping yourselves busy with? It's, um, thank you for asking. That's a great question. Um, first, I tonight, um, before our next documentary that we're going to watch on the street in, uh, from someone's uh, stolen iPad, we're we're going to um, we're going to do a puppet show all about uh, the end of the Civil War. And um, I don't know if you knew this, but I got my master's degree in medieval puppetry from uh, William and Mary College, and I'm going to be leading the charge. I'll be I'll be playing um, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but that's but that's just like tonight. I mean, because we also have a um, we have what we call a bud tasting. <laughs> what? And we're gonna we're gonna try out like different strains of of sativa, just to see like what um, which thing will open our minds more to to reach that level of just openness, like like um, openness. Um, what's the bathing situation? When's the last time you had a shower, Jared? Listen, I think showers um, were actually started like 100 years ago as a way for big corporations like Procter & Gamble and Johnson & Johnson and Unilever to sell their product. And it's so weird that like people are such sheep when it comes to showers and bathing. Like it's totally not necessary. Your Your body, once you reach the total equilibrium physically, it will take care of itself. And you just... You know, some people say, well, you just stopped smelling yourself like you, you're burned out your nose from smelling so bad for so long. But really, it's just like equilibrium. It's like being open to the openness. Uh, the bathroom situation, where are you uh, relieving yourself? Oh, you know, it's funny. I still have my jug from uh, from Occupy Wall Street. And uh, on a on a good day, I will produce a good four liters of urine, but it depends on what kind of intake I have. So, so lately we've been harvesting rainwater, but it hasn't rained for two weeks in Seattle, so it's been dry. It's been pretty dry, but but I still have my jug. <laughs> Can you hear the people in the background? They're chanting. They're telling people to go home. They're telling people to go back to America, which is like two blocks away. What do you do for uh, for, for work, Jared? Didn't you hear me? I told you I have a master's degree in medieval puppetry from William and Mary College. Yeah, but how do you turn that into money? You know, for okay. Well, I think what you're doing is you're getting caught up in this idea that we all have to have like um, jobs and stuff. Because sometimes we just live off of each other's, like, love. 
and stuff. So there was one time um, well, I lived in uh, I lived in the Snake River in Idaho for a while, and uh, there was a group of us. Uh, we called each other the Claude Brothers. We used to pay uh, for stuff and goods and services just in boogers. It's just because it's what it's what your body produces. It's totally natural, and we just figured why why succumb to and give in to like big banks around the world and use their money? Why not use the money that your own body produces? Hello. I don't. Jared, I yeah. I've really enjoyed this, and I hope that we can reach out to you maybe next week and check in with you. Oh man, that would be awesome. Um, if you if you need to get a hold of me, I'm in the third tree from the left, just off of um, Olive Street. I think it is. I mean, I don't go by what old names like that. I mean, those names for these streets were like a hundred years old, and lots has changed between then and today. All right, Jared. Thank, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you, and to peace be with you also. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Miss that guy. <laughs> uh, we've got nuggets coming up next. I news nuggets you need to know when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Jared didn't need money. Nope, Jared just needed the currency that the human body creates naturally. Boogie coin. Boog, boog, boog coin. Boog. Hey, look, it's our new favorite golfer. Phil Mickelson? Yeah. They said he's lost a lot of weight. He does look skinny, he does though, doesn't look, he? he? I thought all four of them looked really slim. Tom Brady is very slight. He's tall. Yeah, that's probably what it is. It's all those greens. Is that what it is? Is the greens? Maybe you should get more greens in your diet. You think I'm fluffy? No. Why didn't you look at me when you said that? (laughs) Uh, Authorities say they still have not figured out what the motive was of that uh, 26-year-old guy who was shooting police officers up in Paso Robles. Uh, About a 36-hour manhunt, sorry, Chris, ended when uh, they shot and killed him yesterday. But he, remember, he was shooting at the Paso Robles Police Department early Wednesday morning. When other people responded, he shot a sheriff's deputy in the face who's in a serious but guarded condition. Yesterday, he was able to shoot three other officers, uh, two in the legs, one in the chest in the a bulletproof vest, and then a 58-year-old transient that was found dead at a train station. When they found 26-year-old Mason Lira, he was in some sort of a homeless encampment in the Salinas River there in Paso Robles. Uh, started another shootout yesterday afternoon. Uh, his father says he had for for a long time suffered from serious mental health issues. Well, it's time for the nine news nuggets you need to know. Stories that kind of fell through the cracks when, you know, you're covering the end of the world. Here we kick off with honorable mention. Honorable mention. Not supposed to mention. I was going to mention it when the time was right. It's never a policy not to mention it. It's been an honor serving with you all. Didn't I mention it? What an honor it is. Great and honorable Moses. So today we're holding auditions to become the newest member of Honorable Mention. All the streaming services get to be a little much, don't they? HBO is compounding the problem with all of its streaming services. HBO Max launched two weeks ago. How is that going to fit with HBO Go? 
The network's first streaming app that lets regular HBO subscribers watch over the Internet. And then there's HBO Now, the second streaming app that lets people subscribe and stream HBO without any other pay TV bundles. Hold on. I can have HBO and then I could watch those things on my streaming device with HBO Go. Mm -hmm. But now I watch HBO Go on HBO Now. Plus, there's HBO Max. I get confused when I'm looking at the streaming services on the TV, and I wonder which one I have, because I don't have all of them. I have one of them, I think. Oh, but the icons still come up? And yes, you... <laughs> the icons still come up. <laughs> That's good. Here's number nine. Uh, number nine. Uh, I did nine plays. If a cop's dirty, nine times out of ten, his partner's dirty, too. And I speak nine languages. I stay up till nine o'clock. Basically, everybody at table nine. I feel ready to go another nine in. Niner. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? Uh... Rage Against the Machine has always been a politically motivated band. Always. Yes. yes. If you actually spend the time to go through the lyrics that are yelled, you will find <laughs> that out. And they've been outspoken politically from the beginning. Forever. Very catchy music, this, which is part of the reason why they became so popular. This is from the file of celebrities should just... Play their music, dribble the ball, <laughs> play football, all of that, and not have political opinions. Some guy took to Twitter to tell the uh, guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, Tom Morello, that, quote, I used to be a fan until your political opinions came out. <laughs> music is my sanctuary, and the last thing I want to hear is political BS when I'm listening to music. Tom replied, Scott, what music of mine were you a fan of that didn't contain political BS? Right. I need to know so I can delete it from the catalog. That guy, by the way, canceled his uh, Twitter account. Number eight. would be great if you could make a figure eight. A child is born every eight seconds. Listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. Eight. You touched on this, uh, I think, yesterday, about how we're going to fill stadiums with crowd noise. And some of, some of the options include piping in your own crowd noise from your home. Now, I think that out of all the stadiums I've been to, and with the exception of where the Redskins play, where the Colts play uh, in Lambeau and Indianapolis, I've been to all the NFL stadiums. And I don't think there's anything better than a game at Arrowhead. In Kansas City, super, that crowd is on its feet the entire time. Super loud. One of the one of the loudest, along with Seattle, I think, in terms of the actual measured uh, decibels level. What they're talking about is a new innovation called "Hear Me Cheer." It's a free website portal that would allow a fan to enable a microphone on their phone or their laptop or whatever while they're watching the live sporting event. Because you know, when they come back, at least at first, we're not going to have fans in the stands, and it would allow you. <laughs> To yell random things into a microphone that would then be piped through the PA system at Arrowhead. I would find this extremely, extremely, um, what's the word? Disheartening? No. What? Really? Great. I would love to yell into a microphone watching a game at home like hold a crazy on, okay, person. Okay, but hold on a second. I want you to imagine. Comforting was the word I was looking for. Have you ever seen like an eight-year-old in front of an open microphone? No. Where they can hear their own voice broadcast over a loudspeaker of any kind. It's very exciting, I would imagine. It's when they go, they walk up and they go, uh, oh. hey, 
balls. Uh, hey, mommy, mommy, mommy. And they're just excited about the hearing their own yes, voice. Yes, that's what I imagine. That's, Arrowhead Stadium. That's an like. NFL game. That's not an NFL. Bunch of eight-year-olds on a microphone. Number seven. The seventh son of the seventh son. Mommy. Seven days. Balls. Sector seven. Five, seven. Seven a.m. Seven years of college down the drain. Seven. 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 Seven days. Actually, eight years old is more like nuts, right? Probably, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Arby's is not messing around when they come to their bags. Fast food bags, man. Uh... Austin Bennett and his friends recently noticed that the bottom of an Arby's bag says that it can hold 25 pounds. So using a nearby weight, they were able to test the bag up to 20 pounds and found, yes, in fact, it does hold up to 20 pounds. So he shared the footage of the discovery on TikTok where he asked Arby's why their bags are so strong. Arby's, strong social media game for Arby's, they came back and said, because we have... The meats. Which is great. I love it. But if you ever worked in a place where there's different size bags, like I remember working in the deli and there was the 10-pound bags and the 20-pound bag, and they go up and up and up depending upon. It, it's kind of like a common thing. It's not like these bags are special. All would bags be, have a weight printed on them. You would be surprised at how much some of those bags would be able to hold. Yeah. And I mean... Back in the day when we used to have paper bags, unless you go to Trader Joe's and you can still get it's them. It's printed right there, it's yeah. It's printed on the bottom yeah, of the bag. Exactly. It's not really huge. Yeah. Number six. I got six. You got six. She got six. Uh, number six. Steve, there's six more weeks of winter. Mommy. Mommy. Why don't we just stick her in a nursing home closer to us so I don't have to drive six hours? Drink another six pack. Number six. Nick's getting mad at us. I can tell. <laughs> well, there was a tan trick. Where is this? India? Of course, India. Um, Who was performing COVID exorcisms by kissing people's hands. He has died from the coronavirus. Sorry, that's not funny. Um, He's infected at least 20 people whose hands he's been kissing. Uh, 29 people have been rounded up in that area of India. They went around peddling their jadfunk cures, which I imagine translates to snake oil. Uh, they put these people in, in institutional quarantine. The tantric that we're talking about was kissing people's hands, saying it would make all of their problems go away, and that that kiss cure also worked on COVID patients. And um, uh, if you're keeping track, it doesn't. Nuggets, more nuggets coming up. Mommy. Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, the Grizzlies are in like Canada, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Washington, Wyoming. Got it. So they're farther north. Right. Okay. That makes sense. We have a bear story coming up and I had a question about bears that do occasionally appear in Shannon's backyard. Uh, Nick, 
Somebody asked, are we going to put the Jared interview that uh, Shannon did uh, on the... We're going to do it separately, or how are you going to do that? People want to post about it. Yeah, I'm actually working on that right now. Uh, I'm really surprised that people are making assumptions about how to to spell the name Jared, too. Well, people are putting weird vowels. Like, why? Well, he put it. I mean... It's J A R Y Y D. That's I thought how he it was it. a double R. Double Y. Uh, it's a double Y. Oh. Yeah. Double R is too authoritarian for him. Here's number five. For five minutes! I have five rules. We begin bombing in five minutes. Five little monkeys. This is the year 5.5. leaning on for Anaheim. Do me a favor and lose five pounds immediately. Well, we all know how Olympians like to bang around. Just look at the condom count at the Olympic Village. There was a. I was going to make fun of her last name, but I didn't. Oh, by all means. Oh, no, no, I you can't. You take this one. All right. Well, there's an, a, U, a U.S. Olympic boxer who uh, <clears throat> got popped for doping. Uh, some What's bad name, Gary? banned substances were sh- showed up in her test. Um, and she says she got them during sex. She had no idea that something like that could happen. Uh, the prohibited substances, the letrozole and GW1516, something like that, a prohibited hormone and metabolic modulator. Uh, again, she got it through sexual relations. Her okay. name is Virginia F- F- Fuchs. I'll pronounce it that way. That's not how you pronounce it. Fuchs. It's a hard sound at the end. Mommy. Number four. Four minutes. He's probably on his fourth tranquilizer by now. Commandment number four. There goes the fourth amendment. This isn't the same world you left four years ago, sir. Uh, do you know anybody named Oppichart? Oppichart. Yeah. Or Propasorn? No. Well, these are two restaurant owners who have been sentenced to prison for defrauding the public with a seafood promotion. Hmm. They were giving vouchers to customers that entitled them to use their seafood buffet at an extremely low price, like three bucks. Um, The problem is the quality of seafood that they were advertising is not available for three bucks. So not only did Apichart Broang Bakken Charak and Prapasar Barapadbaban get in trouble, they were sentenced to 723 years in prison. You don't mess around in Thailand. Didn't we all learn that in the Hangover movies? Number three? Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. They were dead within three hours. Three. Security clearance level three. All three of you. Three. I got all three of you guys for the rest of your natural born lives. After about three days, they both start to stink. Three. Cambodia is where we find our number three nugget. And it looks like there is a man in trouble for his lawn decorations, which were old landmines. Still containing live explosives. They were left over from three decades of civil war that ended in the 90s. Most of the mines still active and dangerous. 30 unexploded munitions hanging from a tree and scattered about his yard. We all have different design techniques. (laughs) Why not just a bird bird feeder or something You know, bird feeders are not great, and I'll tell you why. Um, If you're going to put together a bird feeder, those birds will go there and they'll get the easy food. And then they forget how to go and find their own food. So essentially, you're hindering their ability to find food in the wild by just offering it up. So not a fan of bird feeders. Bird baths, on the other hand, are great because the birds find a nice little 
uh, a nice little place to bathe themselves in the middle of the day. Maybe it's hot outside. Is there a shortage of water bodies for them to bathe in? Sure. Number two. What's going on, you two? Pick out two fingers. One, two. There are two people in this house. There's two sons and no women. Two ringy dingy. Uh, Winslow, New Jersey, apparently has been uh, the scene of a couple of bear sightings recently. A couple of black bears that are rolling through there. And the Winslow Township Police Department has had to put on Facebook, please do not, I repeat... Do not attempt to take selfies with the bear. Those bears don't mess around. Those bears can be uh, pretty mean. The bears that I have in my backyard that I take pictures of frequently well, are kind California and gentle. California bears are laid back. They These are. are New Jersey bears. They're a little tougher. Yeah. Finally, number one. We're number one. You're a number one. We're number one, Ben. That's all that counts. I decided to look out for number one. Are you the number one? <laughs> Row number one. Number one. Uh, number one. Nick, what the hell is this story? Did a duck wearing a bow tie really walk into a pub and get into a fight with a dog after having a beer? Yes. The, the dapper duck named Star was enjoying a pint with his owner when dog Maggie reportedly started the fight. What the S is this, Nick? I don't believe this. Do you belong to British animal pub news groups or something? Uh, I borrow a friend's subscription, yes. Star is known in the area for regularly enjoying a pint of ale at Mm. the inn, always in his bow tie. Mm. The duck was rushed to the vet, is expected to make a full recovery, but should probably stay off drinking for a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> he was pulled, he was pulled over in 2017. The duck? Yeah. What do you mean pulled over? Was he driving somewhere? What is this, Nick? It says police were confused after pulling over an otherwise normal looking car and finding a duck that looked like he was on his way to a job interview with the bow tie. <laughs> All right. You know what? Nick, you're I'm fired. excited for the end of the world. Absolutely. Let's fired. go. It is. Uh, it's going to be Sunday. But first, the John and Ken show is up next. We'll see you, to, see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness. Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.